have your Bible, go please to the book of Ephesians tonight. Usted trajo su Biblia, vamos a ir al libro de Efesios, capítulo 6. Ephesians chapter 6 tonight. And verse 11 and verse 13. Vamos a tomar lectura al verso 11 y el verso 13 del libro de Efesios. I want to share tonight and teach on the subject, how to stand your ground. Vamos a hablar esta noche y estudiar este tema, cómo pararte firme. And here in the book of Ephesians, we have the word of the Lord, as he uh, instructs the apostle Paul. He says in verse 11, put on the full armor of God. So that you will be able to stand firm against the schemes of the devil. Verse 13. Therefore take up the full armor of God. So that you will be able to resist in the evil day. And having done all to stand firm. And tonight I want to speak on this subject. How to stand your ground. And I want us to study from the scripture this important topic. Because Every one of us has a ground to possess. Say amen, somebody. Whether it be uh, the ground of salvation, which you and I possess by faith, or the baptism of the Holy Spirit, which is the promise to the believer, or whether it be uh, usefulness and the gifts of the Spirit, the working and operation of the Spirit in our life, whether it be our finances, whether it be our health, whether it be the salvation of our homes, whatever your ground is, the Bible instructs us to stand our ground. And the winds are often contrary to those things in our life. But you and I have been given the power of God to resist and to stand firm. Let's pray. Father, we honor you tonight. We thank you for your presence among your people. We ask you to manifest your, your presence among us still Tonight, as we read and study the Word of God, I ask that you would anoint my lips of clay to teach the Word, and I ask you to anoint the hearing of the congregation, that they might hear the Word and receive it, putting it to use in their life and acting upon it in faith. We ask this in Jesus' name, and everybody said, Amen. Amen. All right, keep your Bible open. We're going to study various portions of Scripture, but let me ask you again, is there, is there some ground that you need to stand for? I didn't hear you. Is there some ground you need to stand for? The Bible, first of all, commands us to stand. Primero, la Biblia nos manda a pararnos firme. And this is a, a, an instruction from God because in the world that you and I live in, and in human nature, there is a tendency to run away or to hide or to give up easily on things that are challenging or difficult. And so the Bible commands us to stand. Here in the verses we've read, the Bible says, stand firm against the schemes of the devil. And then in verse 13, the Bible says, resist in the evil day and having done all, therefore stand. And so this is not a, a suggestion merely, but it is a command from God to every believer. God has commanded you to stand firm. Esto no es solamente una sugerencia, sino que es el mandato de Dios a cada cristiano de pararte firme. And so as you and I discuss this, I want you to uh, discuss it and study it in light of that fact. Vamos a estudiar este tema esta noche, pero quiero que usted lo estudie en la luz de, hecha de esa realidad. Que esto no es solamente una sugerencia, pero es un mandato de Dios. This is just, not just a, a, a suggestion or a good idea or a strategy, but it is God's command. So I want you to say it out loud with me. God commands me to stand firm. La Biblia nos manda pararnos firme. And we see that throughout the scripture, 
that we are commanded to do so. We have those examples throughout Scripture. I want to show you a couple of examples as we get into this study. First of all, uh, these two, these first two will be in 2 Samuel 23. Vamos a ir a Segunda de Samuel, capítulo 23. And these two are together, uh, just a couple of verses apart. Primera de Samuel 23, ahí tenemos dos ejemplos de personas que se pararon firmes y las encontramos ahí dentro de unos dos o tres versículos una del otro. A second Samuel chapter 23 and verse 10. La primera de Samuel capítulo 23, verso 10. Then David, I'm sorry, I'm in first Samuel. have it there for me. We'll read up here. He arose and struck the Philistines until his hand was weary and clung to the sword and the Lord brought about a great victory that day and the people returned after him only to strip the slain. Now here we're talking about a man named Eleazar. Aquí está un hombre llamado Eleazar y la Biblia nos dice de él que él se paró firme. The Bible talks about him and it says that he stood firm. And the, and the scriptures tell us that he stood uh, so firm, so resolute, until his hand uh, clung to his sword. Eliazar se paró firme defendiendo el terreno que era de él, que Dios le había dado, hasta que dice la escritura que su mano se, se pegó a la espada. This is an example to us of what it means to stand firm and how long you and I are to stand firm. Aquí está un ejemplo de lo que significa pararnos firme y cuánto tiempo debemos pararnos firme. You can just imagine uh, that this, uh, this man is one of the mighty uh, men uh, of, of David. Es uno de los hombres, uh, los guerrilleros fuertes de David. And he fought so hard in this particular battle, defending his ground, that the scripture says that his hand stuck to his sword. Peleó tan duro, tan fuerte, que su mano se pegó a su espada. What is the sword that you and I have in our hand? ¿Cuál es la espada que usted y yo tenemos en nuestra mano? Somebody tell me. The word of God, the Bible says that the word of God is the sword of the spirit. La palabra de Dios es la espada del espíritu. Entonces usted y yo debemos uh, aferrarnos y pegarnos a esa palabra. You and I have to have that same long-term commitment to stand and to fight and the word of God in our hand. Tenemos que tener ese compromiso para pararnos firmes por largo plazo y atarnos a la palabra de Dios. How quickly do you let go of the word of God? ¿Qué tan fácil se te hace dejar ir la palabra? How many uh, trials or how big of a test does the enemy have to send your way so that you can run away and hide and drop the word? This man, Eliezer, fought uh, so, so uh, forcefully that he was... Uh, weary, he became, he became exhausted, but he never let go of the word. Este hombre peleó hasta estar completamente cansado, completamente uh, perdió toda fuerza, sin embargo, no dejó ir la palabra de Dios. And I want to encourage you to do that, uh, that now you and I must understand standing firm is a lifelong commitment. Pararnos firmes es algo de toda la vida. Y es algo que requiere que nos atemos a la palabra de Dios. It requires us to, uh, to stand firm, requires us to uh, hold on to the word of God. Verse 11, now after him was Shema, the son of Agi, the Hararite, and the Philistines were gathered into a troop where there was a plot full of lentils, and the people fled from the Philistines. Now we have Shammah. And the Bible tells us that Shammah uh, was going to defend a, a field of beans. A plot of lentils or beans. Uh, so you can understand the term. 
because all the people had fled. And the way the Philistines worked was they would let the harvest grow. And then at harvest time, they would come in, cross the border, come in, steal the harvest, take it home. And Israel was left hungry. And so you have a pattern going on in Israel year after year, season after season, where they plant the seed and then the devil comes, the enemy comes and steals their harvest. But this time, there's a man named Shammah, the Bible says, verse 12, and he took his stand in the midst of the plot, defended it, and struck the Philistines. And the Lord brought about a great victory. ¿Qué hizo Shammah? Dice la Escritura que Shammah tomó su parada, se paró en medio de aquella labor de frijoles, y él la defendió. Y él destruyó a los filisteos y Dios le dio gran victoria. That was the last day that the Philistines took his harvest. Ese fue el último día que el enemigo se robó la cosecha de Shama. Can I just tell you this? The day the believer decides to stand up and stand firm, that's the last day the enemy gets to steal from the believer. Say amen, somebody. El día que el creyente se pare y diga hasta aquí llegó, ya no me vas a robar. Ese es el día que terminan sus pérdidas y él comienza a poder disfrutar su cosecha. That's such an important principle uh, because that, that you, you and I must understand that very day, the very moment that you decide, get, you, you decide this land, this field, this ground, Belongs to me, and I'm not going to. I'm not going to flinch about it. I'm going to defend it because God gave it to me. God will give you a great victory, just like He did Shema. Say amen, somebody. El día que usted decida esto me pertenece a mí, y yo no lo voy a dejar ir, y yo voy a defenderlo. Ese día Dios también te dará una gran victoria. Now there are a lot of promises and a lot of ground that God has promised the church. Hay mucho terreno que Dios le ha prometido a la iglesia. But many don't possess any of it. Muchos no poseen muy poco de él. ¿Por qué? Porque a la primer, el primer vistazo de problemas huyen. And many people don't possess any or very little of the things God has intended for them. Because at the first glimpse of trouble, they run away, they hide, they let go of the word, and they say, well, if it was God's will, then it would have, he would have given it to me, and I wouldn't have to fight for it. Guess what? You're going to have to stand your ground. Usted va a tener que pararse firme. Everyone say, stand your ground. So if God tells you to go to college and that's the ground God has promised you. That's the ground God has put before you. And then you get into college and they start giving up pop quizzes and exams and terrible things like that. And you say, well, you know what? This must not be for me. This must not be God's will. No, you got to stand your ground. You got to realize that just because God promised it to you doesn't mean you're not going to have to face the challenges that come with possession of that promise from God. But if you will stand your ground, listen, this, this, this is the truth of it. If you will stand your ground, you will possess the promise. Amen, somebody. Si usted se para firme, usted va a poseer la tierra. Va a poseer lo que Dios le ha prometido. God gave Sham a great victory. Now, incidentally, they're just... So you can put that in your notes. The Bible says that Shammah was the son of Egi, uh, and Egi, his name means increase. Shammah was the son of increase. And guess what? You and I are children of increase. Say amen, somebody. Our God is a God of increase. Say amen, somebody. And you're a child of increase. Say, I'm a child of increase. So if you're a child of increase, and the Philistines show up to take what you have, then guess what? You've got to defend what's yours. You have to stand the ground that God has given you. All right, so how do we do that? Back in Ephesians chapter 6. ¿Cómo hacemos esto? Primero, vamos a ver Efesios capítulo 6. 
The Bible says in verse 11, put on the full armor of God so that you will be able to stand against the schemes of the devil. Verse 13, take up the full armor of God so that you will be able to resist in the evil day and having done everything to stand firm. All right, here's the first thing you and I need to do. And if we're going to stand our ground, we're going to have to resist the devil. Say, resist the devil. Para poder defender el terreno que Dios te ha dado, vas a tener que resistir al diablo. Say it again, resist the devil. James chapter 4 verse 7 commands us, resist the devil and he will flee from you. Now, twice in those verses, or in both of those verses that I read to you, verse 11 and verse 13, we're told to stand, and standing is said in connection with the evil uh, or the work of the devil. Uh, en esos dos textos que hemos leído, el verso 11 y el verso 13, nos dice que nos paremos firmes y está en conexión con la obra de Satanás. In verse 11... We're told to stand against the schemes of the devil. El verso 11 nos dice que paremos firme en contra las desechanzas del enemigo. The devil's a schemer. El enemigo es uno que usa desechanzas. And schemes are traps. They're strategies designed against the believer. Esas son estrategias y uh, trampas o designadas contra el creyente. Para robarte lo que Dios te ha dado a ti. And his plan is to steal and to destroy what God has given to you. And then we're told in verse 13 to take up this full armor of God so that we will be able to resist the evil day. Luego verso 13 nos habla del día malo. So I want us to look at that as, as part number one of being able to stand firm is to resist the devil. Let's understand this. Uh, what does this mean? The schemes of the devil or the evil day? Well, first of all, we're talking about standing firm against a satanic attack. Primero, esto es pararte firme en contra de un ataque satánico. Now, I want you to understand this. Not everything that goes wrong in your life is a satanic attack. If you have a flat tire, it may not have necessarily been a satanic attack. And I doubt the devil because the devil can't be everywhere at once. Say amen. The devil can't be everywhere at once. The devil can be only in one place at one time. Only God can be everywhere at once. So I really don't think the devil has time to flatten your tire. All right, let's just understand that. But there are satanic attacks. And you and I need to be discerning about uh, that when we uh, understand that we have to stand firm. Against satanic attacks. The Bible tells us about Job. Job was a just man. A righteous man. He lived and loved God. He lived for God. And then Satan went to God and said, you know, he started accusing Job. He said, if Job didn't have all the blessings you've given him, and if you hadn't been so good to him, Job would curse you. And so the enemy attacks Job. And we see throughout the book of Job, Job having to stand firm against a satanic attack. There was, there was in Job's life a spirit of righteousness and uprightness. But that did not keep him out of the devil's uh, um, target line or out of his crosshairs. And uh, you and I must be aware of that. In another place, Jesus said to Peter, he said, Peter, Satan has desired to sift you like wheat. Here's Peter. Where is Peter? Peter is next to Jesus. Peter is in the ministry. Peter is walking with Jesus. All of these things are real and good in Peter's life. Think about it again. He's with Jesus. How many of you are with Jesus? And he is in the ministry. How many of you are in the ministry? And he is, uh, he is uh, uh, walking with the Lord. How many of you are walking with the Lord? And yet Jesus says to him, Satan has desired to sift you like wheat. There's a satanic attack against you, Peter. And he says to him, I have prayed for you. Not that the attack will go away, but that when you are converted, 
uh, you, he said, I have prayed for you, and when you are converted, help your brethren. He said, I prayed for you that your faith fail not. In other words, I prayed so that you will stand firm. So here you have two people as examples. They're right in the middle of God's will, and an attack comes against them. And they have to stand firm. They have to, they have to understand who they are, what they've been given by God, and not yield to the attack. Then we understand what this means also. The evil day refers to a spiritual decline. El día malo también se refiere a un día de apostasía, un día de, de uh, declinación espiritual. The evil day uh, that Paul is speaking about here in Ephesians may refer to a satanic attack. It also may refer to a culture that is declining in its reverence toward God. And uh, that, if that's the case, you and I are living in an evil day. Uh, también eso se refiere, cuando Pablo dice el día malo, se refiere a una cultura que va uh, disminuyendo en su reverencia hacia Dios. Y si esa es la realidad, entonces usted y yo estamos viviendo en un día malo. You understand what I mean by you and I are living in an evil day? We're living in a day where spiritual things are declining. People have a, a declining reverence for God. A declining reverence for the Bible. A declining fear of the Lord. And in the middle of that, uh, you have to understand, you have to stand firm in that kind of culture. Usted y yo tenemos que resistir esa cultura. We have to resist that culture. Because that culture is moving like a mighty river. Flowing in complete opposition to the word and will of God. Esa cultura fluye como un río en completa uh, uh, oposición a la voluntad de Dios. What's the easiest thing to do? The easiest thing to do is to, is to uh, inflate your floaties and just go with it, right? Just go with the culture. Lo más fácil es de irte con la corriente. Pero ¿qué dice Dios? What does God say? Resist the devil. ¿Qué dice la palabra? Resiste al diablo. You and I have to stand firm against the evil day, against the declining spiritual condition of our world. Uh, uh, give me 1 Corinthians chapter 10, verse 12. Vamos a ver 1 de Corintios, capítulo 10, verso 12. Si usted ve la corriente que va fluyendo en contra de la voluntad de Dios, usted se tiene que parar firme. Therefore, the Bible says, let him who thinks he stands take heed that he does not fall. If you're living in a culture like the world, the one we're living in today, and you say, you know what, I've got it. I, I grew up in church. I attend Kingsway Church, and you think you're strong. God says, be careful, because you may be deceiving yourself in thinking you're standing when you're actually just floating away with the current of the culture. You have to stand up and stand firm against that. You have to resist the devil. Another meaning of the word evil day, otro significado de la palabra día malo, is what we would consider uh, in our vernacular a bad day. Uh, un día malo puede referirse a un día malo. Por ejemplo, tuve un día malo. I had a bad day. Ever had a bad day? Well, guess what? The Bible tells us we have to resist that too. Tenemos que resistir eso también. A day of bad circumstances. Really, there are no bad days. La realidad es que no hay días malos. The Bible said that this is the day the Lord has made. And so, you might have a day of bad circumstances. Podemos tener un día de malas circunstancias. And, and you and I have to resist the devil. We have to resist the evil day. When, when you and I are going through a day of bad circumstances, the temptation is to uh, let go of the word, to release our stand or our commitment to stand, and to, uh, to just fall under the pressure or, or crumble under the, under the pressure of it. Jesus talked about this in Mark chapter 4, verse 19. He said there was a seed, the seed of the word, that fell among the thorns and started to grow up. It started to give fruit. But then 
the cares of this world choked out that word. And the deceitfulness of riches. That's Mark chapter chapter 4 verse 19. And so you and I have to be on guard against that. Bad circumstances can cause a believer to, to lose his stand. Malas circunstancias pueden causar a un creyente que pierda su parada firme. Be very careful, especially because, you know, most believers can handle a bad day. Say amen, somebody. It's, it's two bad days in a row, or four bad days in a row, or a, a bad week, or a bad month that can cause some people to start to uh, shake under the pressure of trouble. What do you have to do? Stand your ground. Say it out loud. Stand your ground. Listen, bad days are going to come. They happen. We live in a broken world and things are going to break. That's the reality. The reality for you is stand your ground. Resist the devil. Resist the tendency or the desire to let those troubles crowd out the word of God in your life. Tenemos que resistir el día malo. ¿Por qué? Porque el cuidado de este mundo puede ahogar la palabra en nuestra vida. And many people have shipwrecked their entire life because of one bad day. Muchos han hecho un caos de toda su vida por un día malo. Un día de malas circunstancias. Finally, an evil day can refer to an evil report. Finalmente, un día malo se refiere también a un, uh, a un reporte malo. Numbers chapter 13, verse 32. Números capítulo 13, verso 32. A day of an evil report. Un día de un, una, una palabra, un reporte malo. Maybe you get an evil report from the doctor. And when I say evil report in that sense, I'm not saying that the doctor is evil and that he has evil plans against your life, but that the report is not a good one. That it is a, it's bad news. And the Bible here in Numbers chapter 13, verse 32, it says, so they gave out to the sons of Israel a bad report. King James says an evil report of the land. Now just leave that verse up there for a second and think about this. The nation of Israel is on the border of the promised land. Who gave them the promised land? And what kind of land was it? A land flowing with milk and honey. Who gave it to them? Was it good? And look at what they said. They gave an evil report of the land. They said this is bad land. This is a bad idea. The land through which we have gone in spying it out is the land that devours its inhabitants and all the people whom we saw in it are men of great size. They said, they, they spoke evil, listen now, they spoke evil against the promise of God. Ellos hablaron mal de la promesa de Dios. Dijeron la tierra que hemos ido a, a ver que es la tierra prometida, dijeron, es una tierra que se come a sus habitantes. Y todos los que vimos ahí eran gigantes. This is why the Bible calls it an evil report. Por eso la Biblia le llama un reporte malo. O una, uh, una reporte malo, significando que ellos, ellos o dijeron una mentira o interpretaron mal lo que Dios había dicho. And this evil report is based on the fact that they have either misinterpreted what God said, or they've lied about what God said. You have to be very careful when you receive an evil report. Usted tiene que tener mucho cuidado cuando usted reciba un reporte malo. And when you do receive an evil report, what do you do? You resist it. Cuando usted recibe un reporte malo, lo resiste. Say amen, somebody. And for sure, don't go spreading it. Y de seguro, no se haga parte del chisme para irlo a desparramar. 
Gossip is evil reports. Say amen, somebody. When you, when you and I hear an evil report about somebody else, about a believer, about a, 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 uh, a neighbor, about someone in, the ch- in our church, about someone in another church, your job is not to receive that or to believe that or to spread that. Your job is to resist it in prayer. Listen, if you bring an evil report into your heart, it's going to happen to you like happened to the nation of Israel. They died outside of the promise. The Bible says that the nation of Israel accepted the evil report. And they died in the wilderness. You know what God said to them? He said, you will have just what you said. What had they said? They said, we're going to die in this wilderness. They accepted the evil report and God gave them what they accepted. So you and I have one thing to do when we get an evil report. Everybody shout resist. Don't take it in. Don't consider it. Don't don't focus on it. Don't play it back in your mind. Resist it. Because God has given you good land. So why would you accept any word that contradicts the word of God for your life? Why would you believe that your children are going to be lost if God said you and your house can be saved? Why would you accept the report that you have to live in sickness if you're, if you're, if the Bible says that you have a healer as, as your savior? Come on somebody. Why would you accept that you have to be broke all the time if your God is the, the owner of the cattle on a thousand hills? You and I have to reject the evil report and resist it. And so whatever, whatever situation you might be under, if it's a satanic attack, if it's the spiritual decline around you, if it's bad circumstances or an evil report, your job is to resist the devil. ¿Cuál sea la situación? Si es un ataque satánico, si es la declina espiritual de nuestro mundo, si es una mala circunstancia o un mal reporte, ¿qué hacemos? Resiste. Again, James chapter 4, verse 7. Go there, please. Santiago, capítulo 4, verso 7. Here you have the recipe for how to resist. Aquí está la fórmula para poder resistir. Submit, therefore, to God. If you're going to resist the devil, the first step is submission to God. El primer paso para resistir el diablo es sujetarse a Dios. Listen, you can't serve two masters. Usted no puede servir a dos maestros. If you're submitted to God, the devil has no place in your life. Cuando usted, usted se sujeta a Dios, el diablo no tiene lugar en su vida. What, just imagine, what would have happened if these ten spies come to the people and said to them, that land is full of giants and it devours its prey, and the people had said, Lord, we heard your voice. What do you say? If they had just submitted right there to God, instead of the voice of the enemy or the voice of the liar or the voice of the evil report or the voice of fear and doubt, they could have had a completely different story. Resisting the devil begins with submission to God. Resistir al diablo comienza con sujetarse a Dios. And in fact, it's the whole thing right there. Ahí está todo. If you don't have submission to God, you'll never be able to resist the devil. If you're submitted to God, you've already resisted the devil. Come on, somebody. Si usted no se someta, somete a Dios, no puede resistir al diablo. Y si usted está sujeto a Dios, ya está el diablo resistido. Listen, this is how this works. The kingdom of, of God and the kingdom of darkness operate by authority. El reino de Dios y el reino de las tinieblas operan en autoridad. When the enemy sees you submitted to God, he understands he has no authority in your life. Cuando el enemigo te ve sujeto a Dios 
Él entiende que no tiene autoridad en tu vida. And people who aren't submitted to God are free reign for the enemy. Los que no están sujetos a Dios, el enemigo los ve y dice, ellos no tienen autoridad, yo voy a hacer su autoridad. And that's why many people get beat from pillar to post because by the enemy because he has authority over them because they're not submitted to God. In the Bible, in the book of Acts, there were uh, seven sons of, 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 of Sceva, the Bible talks about, that tried to cast out a demon. And the demon laughed at them and said to them, Peter I know, uh, or uh, Paul I know, and Jesus I know, but who are you? You have no authority. Why don't you have authority? Because they weren't submitted to, to Christ. The youngest Christian with the least experience who submitted to God has more authority in the spirit realm than the longest living Christian who's not submitted to God. And you and I have a badge that you and I are wearing when we're under the authority of the Almighty. And so the Bible says resist the devil and the reason you and I can do that is because we're submitted to God. In every area of your life where you're submitted to God, God has the authority and not the enemy. You can have victory in that area of your life. Next thing the verse says is submit to God, resist the devil. That word resist there, it implies to take a complete stand against. Everyone say complete. When we talk about resisting the devil, just leave that verse there for a second. When we talk about resisting the devil, we're not talking about resisting the devil like you do at Luby's and just pick what stuff you're going to resist. I don't like green jello, so I'm not going to have any of that, but I like, I like that fish right there and I like that salad right there. And you, you will find that if you try to resist the devil by picking and choosing, he's going to make a mess of your life. To resist the devil means... That you take a complete stand against. Everything that says devil on it is rejected. Everything that says sin on it is rejected. Everything that says world on it is rejected. I, in high school I had a, a teacher who uh, she said she bought a 12 foot artificial Christmas tree. Ever had to put together a 12 foot tall Artificial Christmas tree, that's a lot, especially when you have to make all the branches nice and bushy, right? And so she got all the way up to the top, and her husband came in. He had fought in World War II, and he saw that on the box it said, Made in Japan. He said, Take that out of my house. And there came down that 12-foot-tall tree. Didn't matter. She had spent all day working on it. He had a decision to resist the Japanese. I thank God we have peace with Japan today. But here's what I'm telling you. That's the kind of decision you and I have to make. I had one amen. I said, that's the kind of decision you and I have to make. But I have a long commitment with that, Pastor. I don't care how long your commitment is with it. I don't care how much it costs. I don't care how many days you spent. If it's from the enemy, if it's from the world, if it's from the flesh, if it's from, the, if it's from sin, you and I have to resist it. Complete, total stand against. Es una parada completa. No que lo voy a resistir en esto, pero no en aquello. No que lo voy a resistir en, en, en las finanzas y lo voy a resistir en, 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 la, en, la, en mis relaciones, pero no lo voy a resistir en estas otras cosas. Si usted quiere resistir al diablo en una cosa y no en otra, el diablo va a destruir su vida. So that word resist comes with a complete stand against. Now, if you're submitted to God, this is not hard. Usted está sujeto a Dios, esto no es difícil. Listen, if you're, used, if you're submitted to God's way of doing things and your relationships, it won't be hard to resist the devil when he, when he attempts your relationship. Because you've already submitted to God. If you will resist 
if you've submitted to God and your money, it's not going to be hard to, to, to resist the temptation to use your money in an ungodly way because you've already submitted to God. You understand why submission is the first thing. And if you'll do that, the rest is going to follow. Si usted se sujeta a Dios, lo demás va a seguir. The Bible tells us that the enemy is under our feet. Dice la Escritura que el enemigo está bajo nuestros pies. Romans chapter 16, verse 20. Romanos capítulo 16, verso 20. Look at what that says. Romans 16, 20. Romanos 16, 20. God, the God of peace, will soon crush Satan where? Where? Say my. Where? Under my feet. And the grace of our Lord Jesus be with you. Who's going to put him under your feet? I need a little more enthusiasm. Who's going to put him under your feet? Listen, the only way that the enemy ends up under your feet is if God is above your head. If you submitted to God and you've taken a complete stand against the enemy, then the enemy is under your feet. Si usted se sujeta a Dios, y, y Dios, uh, su, su, se, se sujeta a Dios, usted ha tomado una parada firme, completamente en contra del enemigo, el, el mundo y el pecado, ahora el enemigo está bajo sus pies. Listen, the Bible doesn't ever say, get up in the morning and fight the devil. In fact, most Christians, I'd say all Christians who are living what I'm talking about, submitted to God and taking a complete stand against the enemy, they don't even think about the devil. The enemy doesn't cross most of our minds for a long time. Why? Because we know he's under our feet. And so, if you feel like the enemy just kicking you from pillar to post, and you're like that lady that told her pastor, he said, how are you doing, uh, sister? And she said, pastor, the devil's been chasing me all week. Then you've got you've to make God your head. And you've got to make a complete stand against the enemy. And when you do that, he's under your feet. And the one who put him there is God. The pastor said, well, turn around and chase him. You have authority. You have authority. If you've submitted to God. Where's the enemy tonight? Where's the enemy tonight? Now what does the Bible say? Resist the devil and he will flee from you. You know what that word flee means? The word flee there is not just that he'll go to another room. It literally means to leave the country. You heard about a convict that left the country, he fled the country. Why do they leave the country? Usted ha oído de uh, un criminal o una persona que uh, comete un crimen y se va del país. And he goes to a country that doesn't have jurisdiction over that crime. Se va a un lugar donde no tiene jurisdicción sobre ese crimen. And that's the word that's being used here in the Greek to describe what the enemy does when he realizes that you are under the authority of the Almighty God and that you have taken a complete stand against him and that he is under your feet. He leaves the country because he knows he has no power or authority in your life. Come on, somebody. You've got to stand your ground. And he will flee from you. The Bible doesn't say he might. It says he resists the devil and he will flee from you. That's step number one. You've got to stand your ground. And you do that by resisting the devil. You do that by taking a complete stand against him and understanding that God has put the enemy under your feet. Say amen if you believe that. Here's step number two. You have to know your ground. Say, know your ground. Aquí está el paso número dos. Tienes que conocer tu terreno. Many people 
don't know their ground. And they don't possess the promises of God. They don't possess what God has given to them as heirs because they just don't know. Ignorance produces lack in your life. Especially the ignorance of the word of God. Cuando hay ignorancia de la palabra de Dios, esto va a producir escasez en tu vida, en cualquier área de tu vida. That's why the enemy would love it if you didn't ever open your Bible, if you didn't ever hear a sermon, if you didn't ever go to Bible study. Why? Because if you're ignorant, you aren't able to possess what belongs to you. And do you know that we're living in a world that has more Bibles than, than any generation has ever had before? I bet most of you have more than 10 Bibles in your house. And yet, in our generation, we have more Bibles than ever, and it's the least read book. And so if you don't know your ground, you won't be able to stand it. How are you going to stand to your ground if you don't know that it belongs to you? How's Shammah going to defend his beans and his, his lentils if he doesn't know that's my field? That's my crop. That's my harvest. The stand has to come from a place of knowledge, from a place of understanding. And you and I, our place of knowledge, our ground is the word of God. Nuestro terreno es la palabra de Dios. Y si vamos a defenderlo, tenemos que conocer la palabra. He says, the wilds, the schemes of the enemy. So here's one of the schemes of the enemy. And, and if he comes and he tells you that, you know, Christians have to be broke all the time. The broker, the better. Makes you more spiritual that way. And if you don't know what the word of God says, then you'll do like, like many people have done throughout church history and take a vow of poverty. And just say, well, if it's God's will for me to be broke, God's will for me to be poor, God's will for me to never have enough uh, so that I can be more spiritual, then that's the way it's going to be. Because they don't know the word, they end up living a lifestyle that does not conform to the word. They end up living a lifestyle that is completely contrary to the truth of God's word. So if you're going to stand your ground, you've got to know the word. You've got to know what God has said. Otherwise, you can't defend yourself against that scheme of the enemy. Against that scheme of the devil. Here's another uh, factor, and that is that many people have been taught, but they haven't been taught the word. They've been taught religion. They've been taught tradition. And they believe that religion, they believe that tradition, and it's kept them out of the promises of God. It's kept them out of the full blessing of God for their life. So go to Hebrews chapter 12, 13. Vaya a Hebreos capítulo 13, verso 5 al 6. Let's go to Hebrews 13, verse 5 and 6. Say, know your ground. Say it again, know your ground. Let me ask you a question. Do you know your ground? ¿Conoce usted su terreno? If, if you and I know the word of God, when the enemy tells us that we have to accept something in our life that's contrary to the word, we'll be able to hold our ground. And say, no, I know what God's word says. And I want to believe and trust God's word. I'm going to do it God's way. Hebrews chapter 13 verse 5. Make sure that your character is free from the love of money. Being content with what you have. For he himself said. Now I want you to underline in your Bible. If you don't mind underlining things in your Bible. Just underline he himself has said. Ahí en su Biblia subraye. El mismo ha dicho. Everyone say that with me. He himself has said. Say it again. He himself has said. Now here you have the writer of Hebrews 
And I've gone here to give you an example of how this works. Los he llevado aquí para ver un ejemplo de cómo esto funciona. El escritor de Hebreos dice, Él mismo ha dicho, Nunca te dejaré y jamás te desampararé. I will never desert you, nor will I forsake you. That's the ground. Ese es el terreno. Say, that's the ground. Now, verse, verse 4, pardon, verse 6. So that, now, now underline this, we confidently say. Ahora el verso 6, subraya ahí que dice, nosotros dicemos. Say, we confidently say. You understand the connection? Who was speaking in verse 5? Who's speaking in verse 5? He himself has said, who's speaking? God. Who's speaking in verse 6? We. Verse 5, God spoke. Verse 6, we spoke. What did God say in verse 5? I will never leave you, nor will I forsake you. What do we say? The Lord is my helper. I will not be afraid. What will man do to me? Notice this pattern. Because this pattern is, is for every promise in the word of God. If you are going to stand your ground, you first of all need to know what God said. And then you need to stand on it. Si usted se va a parar firme, usted tiene que saber lo que Dios ha dicho y luego pararse sobre ello. Here's what the writer of Hebrews is doing. He's teaching us that God's promise is the, the X that marks the spot. La promesa de Dios es la X que marca el lugar. Y ahora yo me paro sobre eso. Now I stand on that. And I affirm that what God said is mine. Therefore, we confidently say. Ahora, nosotros, con confianza, decimos, Jehová es nuestro, nuestro auxilio y nuestro ayudador que podrá hacernos el hombre. Are you following me tonight? ¿Cuándo me están siguiendo esta noche? Say, know your ground. Go to John 10, 10. Juan 10, 10. Now we're going to do a lot of scripture here in the next couple of minutes. So whoever is back there, be ready for us. John 10, 10. The thief comes only to steal and kill and destroy. I have come that you may have life and have it abundantly. There's the spot. I have come that you may have life and have it abundantly. Notice now, he said, what did he say? I have come that you may have life and have it abundantly. So what do we say? Well, I'm probably going to die young because everyone in my family dies young. No, what do you say? Well, you know, uh, if, if I had the genes that, that those folks over there have, or if I had the health care that they have, what do we say? You understand? If you're going to stand your ground, you need to say what he said. I said, you need to say what he said. He said, I have come that you may have life and have it abundantly. So I confidently say, I will have life and it will be a good life, an abundant life, a full life. Come on, somebody. You have to stand your ground. Parece firme. Si él dijo que tendrás vida y la tendrás en abundancia, entonces usted confiadamente diga, yo tengo vida. Y la vida que tengo va a ser buena y va a ser llena de abundancia. ¿Por qué? Porque eso es lo que él me dijo. Do you believe God? Cuando le creen a Dios. Matthew chapter 6 verse 33. San Mateo 6, 33. But seek first his kingdom and his righteousness, and all of these things will be added to you. He said, seek first 
the kingdom and his righteousness, and all of these things will be added to you. So what do we say? What do we say? Well, I hope I have good luck. I hope I have a good year. I hope I make it to retirement. I hope I can get to the next pay grade. What do we say? God, I am seeking you first. Your kingdom is my passion. Therefore, everything I need is going to be added to me. And I'm not going to do without it because you're going to add it to me. Come on, somebody. You have to stand your ground. The word of God marks the spot. You stand on it. I said you stand on it. And when the enemy comes and challenges that word and tells you, you can't have that. No one in your family's ever had that. No church in town's ever had that. You say he's going to add it to me. Come on. Are you with me? Romans 8.31 Romanos 8.31 What then shall we say of these things? If God is for us, who can be against us? He said, if God is for me, then who can be against me? Therefore, I confidently say that because God is with me, no one can stop me. The enemy can't stop me because God is with me. Do you know your ground? Conoce usted su terreno. I'm just giving you some of the promises here from the word of God. I hope you're writing these down. Third John chapter 1 verse 2. Tercera de Juan capítulo 1 verso 2. Only one chapter in that book. Beloved, I pray that in all respect you may prosper and be in good health just as your soul prospers. He said... That my soul is prospering. And that he wants me to be in good health. So what do I say? God, my soul is prospering. Because I have made Jesus the Lord of my life. And because my soul is prospering, I will be in good health. Come on, because my soul is prospering, I will be in good health. And the enemy comes and tells you you're not going to be in good health because the diabetes runs in your family and cancer runs in your family. And look at your age and look at all these other things. You tell him, I am prospering in my spirit and therefore I can have good health. Come on, stand your ground. Usted parece firme sobre la palabra. Isaiah 41 verse 10. Isaías 41 verso 10. You got to go quick. You got to think quick because I'm running out of time. Do not fear, for I am with you. Do not be anxious looking about you, for I am your God. I will strengthen you. Surely I will help you. Surely I will uphold you with my righteous right hand. What did he say? He said, I am with you. I am your God. I will strengthen you. I will uphold you. What do we say? What do we say? God is with me. God is for me. God is strengthening me. God is upholding me. Come on somebody. When you come under pressure and the enemy tells you this is the thing that's going to crush you. You tell him no, no, no. I resist that because God is strengthening me. God is upholding me. God is with me. Deuteronomy 28 verse 8 and 11. Deuteronomy 28, verse 8 and 11. We're looking at the promises of God. Now, there are so many promises. Just on my list tonight, I have more than 40, so I don't have time for all that. But I'm going to get as far as I can. There are about 8,000 in the Bible. Now, you don't have to go. We're not going to go through all of them tonight, all right? But all you need is one. If you'll take a hold of one and just stand your ground, come on, you will see the victory. I say you'll see the victory. But if you don't know at least one, then you're going to get beat around. So you have to know your ground. Deuteronomy 28, 8. 
The Lord will command the blessing upon you in your barns and in all that you put your hand to. And he will bless you in the land which the Lord your God gives you. Now just pause right there for a second. Let's say that you have a job or you have a a business or you have some land. Uh, This was an agricultural society, so you can apply it in all those different ways. And all of a sudden, uh, your business isn't going so well. And what does the enemy come and he, he tells you? Your business is going under. It must not be God's will for you to have a business or for you to have a job. It must not be God's will for you to do well. What do you do? You resist the devil. You say, he said that everything that is in my hand will be blessed. So this business is blessed. And this job is blessed. Come on, somebody. This house is blessed. Don't go around saying, this house is falling apart. No, you say, he said that everything that comes to my hands will be blessed. So I'm going to see his blessing in this house. Is the church awake tonight? You have to know your ground. Verse 10. So all the peoples of the earth will see that you are called by the name of the Lord and they will be afraid of you. Well, let me give you another example. You're going to apply for a job. And what does the flesh tell you? You should be afraid. What if they don't give it to you? What if you don't get it? Or you go to an interview to go into a college or a school. And the enemy comes against you and says, you ought to be afraid. What do you say? I'm not going to be afraid. They're going to be afraid of me. God said that I, that nations will know that I belong to Him. People are going to know that I'm walking with God. And God's going to give me favor. Come on, somebody. And my enemy is going to be afraid of me because God is with me. Because God is walking with me. John 8, 32. Juan 8:32. Say, I could do this all night. Say, I could do this all night. Come on, do you want to know what your ground is? ¿Quién quiere saber cuál es su terreno? And you will know the truth, and the truth will make you free. So listen, when you start feeling bound by discouragement, by fear, by anxiety, by worry, you just say, wait a minute, and you resist that. And you say, he said that I would know the truth and the truth would make me free. I know him. I walk with him. I am free. I am free. I'm not going to live under depression or fear or anxiety or worry because his truth makes me free. Joel chapter 3 verse 10. Joel capítulo 3 verso 10. Beat your plowshares into sword. And your pruning hooks into spears. And let the weak say, I am a mighty man. He said that the weak man can say, I am strong. I say, I am strong. I say, I can. I want to encourage you tonight. I'm out of time. We'll we'll continue this as the Lord wills in the next Bible study. But I want to encourage you to get to know your ground. I said, get to know your ground. I had some land once that an, in, that was an enemy, it wasn't an enemy. The neighbor had put a fence. And it looked like the fence was in the right place. But in one particular place, he was taking about 100 square feet that were on my side. And I didn't know that till I got to look at the deed. And I looked at the records. And I saw a survey and I realized, you know what? His fence is cutting me out of what's mine. A lot of believers, they're just living with fences that the enemy put up. And they're assuming they must be there for a reason. They must be in the right place. There's nothing I can do about it. Nothing I can challenge him with. But when you get to know the word and you start to know what the records are and what the deed says, you can say, wait a minute. He said, I say. He said, I say. Come on, somebody. If he said it, then I believe him. And I'm going to stand on what he said until I see his word manifested in my life. Come on, let the believers stand up tonight. Let the redeemed of the Lord say so.
Look, I don't know what your ground is in particular. Maybe you have a vision, a dream, a calling, an idea, something that's given to you by God and everything is against it. And tonight God is telling you, stand your ground. Maybe you are struggling in your, in your body or in your mind or in your finances and everything is telling you you've lost this battle. You might as well give up. God says, stand your ground. So do that right now, just in your spirit. Submit to God. And just tell Him, Lord, I submit to you. I know you're in control. I'm walking with you. And I'm going to resist the enemy and I'm going to resist this diabolical culture and I'm going to resist the satanic attacks and I'm going to resist the bad days and I'm going to resist the temptation to give up the word and I'm going to stand on your word I'm going to stand on the promises which you've made to me I am an heir I am an heir of your word